Welcome to the latest episode of the Keeping Pace podcast. I'm your host, Mike Moreau. Andres Santa Olaya is my guest on this episode. The former high school swimmer and I get into a variety of topics that include what TV shows he's into at the moment, his martial arts background, and how he got his start with running. I've known Andres for a few years, but I got to know him a little more during this episode. Enjoy the episode and getting to know Andres. Andres, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for thanks for wanting to come on. It's, I'm glad you wanted to because I think you'd be, I've always thought you'd be a good guest to have on. Yeah, thanks. Since you told me you were doing it in the beginning, I, I, I always thought it was going to be a fun podcast to listen to. And then I actually started listening and to all the interviews and I was like, man, I really want to be in there. I was a little bit shy to ask to be in it, but I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm glad you did. I guess we'll get started with the basic question is, how did you uh, you get your start with running? So I, it, I went to school. I grew up in Mexico City and in the elementary school that I went to, we in my PE class, they kind of we did every sport and we just kind of rotated so I got an introduction to every sport from early on and then once a year we would have a track meet but it was you know like train two weeks for it at whatever event the the PE teacher would assign you and then that was it for the year and so that was really my first introduction to it I think my in first grade I did shot put (laughs) and I got a silver medal which looking at me you'd be like yeah right Um, and then after that I was like I think I ran the 400 one time and then high jump and I don't know but that was my first introduction and then I moved to the states when I was in seventh grade and I played football and then my junior high only had football then basketball season and then either track or tennis and I wasn't all that great at tennis growing up, even though my parents played a lot. So I tried out for track and I, I was running the, the mild on the first time and I didn't really like it. I wasn't very good at it. And I just thought it was way too long for me. And then I tried out hurdles and I enjoyed that a little bit more, but I only run, I think on two track meets cause I also wasn't very good. And then that was it. And when I joined high school, I played football my freshman year, and then I tried out for the soccer team for the second semester, and I didn't make it in the team. And I was looking for something else to do, and I saw the swim team had a triathlon at the end of the year. So a friend of mine was like, hey, why don't we join swimming so we can do the triathlon? It's like, yeah, okay. So I started swimming, and and I just kind of carried over for the rest of high school. Um, being in the swim team, swim team and doing a triathlon at the end of the year. And then it wasn't until the very end of high school when the track coach saw me running and he kind of came up to me and asked me if I, if I was planning on running in college. I said no. And he kind of hooked me up with, with the coach of the school that I was going to. And I walked on to the cross country and track team over there. And that's when I started running a little bit more seriously. Oh, wow. That's a... That's a pretty interesting story. I definitely didn't know a whole lot of a whole 
I don't, I don't think I knew any of that actually. <laughs> yeah. For, for track, I was definitely in the right place at the right time, you know, because at the end in high school with the swim team, after we ran the triathlon, um, we would have dry land testing as our final uh, test. And it would be like running the mile, running the 400, 100, uh, doing push-ups and all this stuff. And whenever we ran the mile and during my senior year, the track coach was out there on the track training his guys. And I think I ran like a five minute mile, which, you know, it's not all that great, but for somebody who's not a runner, it was like a pretty good time. And since I wasn't really planning on going to college to run or to swim or anything, I was just going to go to study. Uh, whenever he asked me, I was like, yeah, why not? You know, so it was really just being at the right place at the right time for that coach to see me. So I have a, I have a couple of questions from your introductory story. So yeah. you said you moved to the States in seventh grade? Yeah. And, and where did you move to? Uh, to Houston or a Houston suburb in Katy, Texas. Um, yeah, West Houston. Okay. What was that move like for you as a middle schooler? I have to imagine that was hard. Yeah, it wasn't that easy. Um, one, because I didn't speak English, you know, so really the, the reason why I came was because my parents wanted my brother and I to study here for a year um, and learn English. And then the plan was to go back to Mexico. But my brother and I just really liked it over here. So we asked my parents if we could move here. And my parents already had planned on moving um, over here. So they just, they said, you know, we'll try to sell the house. And if it sells, we'll go. And it sold pretty quickly, which was surprising to everybody. And so my parents packed up and they moved to Houston where we were. Um, and then, yeah, I think the, the language barrier was the hardest part at first. Um, you know, but once you get used to, once you learn it, I mean, I was young enough that I could get along with everybody, you know, uh, but there were definitely, especially being in the South, there were some, uh, less than friendly people that I encountered, you know, and like made certain comments that I kind of had to brush off, but it wasn't all that bad. Yeah, I can, um, I can imagine that. How did you deal with that as a, a middle schooler? Was it, you know, something you and your brother talked about and kind of fed off each other to, to help each other? And did your parents, you know, help out with that as well? Kind of. So the first year we were living with my aunt and uncle, because um, again, the plan was just to go back to Mexico. So we were just staying with my aunt and uncle. And I was in junior high, my brother was in high school, so we weren't in the same school. So we did talk about what was happening a little bit, but it wasn't that often that it became a problem. You know, it was just people making comments here and there. And we always just kind of grew up, of brush it off and, you know, move on. Um if it gets, you know, don't let it get physical or anything like that. But if it was just a comment, I'd be like, whatever, you know, and especially the first year I was like, I don't even understand what you're saying. So what do I care? Um, but I, I never really paid much attention to it. Yeah. It was like, I knew what they were saying. I knew what they meant by what they were saying, but I really couldn't care less about it. I just, you know, I, I don't really care for those people or what they say. Yeah. And you're, I mean, knowing you now, you're pretty laid back person. So I don't know if you were like that in middle school, but it sounds like it hasn't changed I, too much. Yeah. I like to think I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. The other question that popped up from your story is, so what swimming events did you do? Uh, so again, the coach kind of rotated us through like every event for the meets. 
But then when it came down to districts and regionals and state and all of that, we focused on on our best ones. And I w- my best one was definitely the 100-yard breaststroke. And then the other ones that I did, I rotated between the IM and the butterfly. Um, so I was okay at everything, but really m- the best ones I, that I did was breaststroke. Um, yeah, and that was definitely my favorite one. The, the, I mean, I'm not a good swimmer, but the... The IM and the breaststroke, I think, are two of the hardest events to watch. Yeah, I think butterfly and and IM butterfly is definitely one of the toughest ones to do, at least for me. Um, and yeah, I, I I really liked it, especially the IM because I got to do a little bit of everything, but I wasn't all that great at it. I was good enough to be like swimming in a district, but that's it. But breaststroke was the one that I enjoy it the most yeah and when i meant hardest to watch i meant as in like in terms of difficulty not that oh, swimming yeah. is boring <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I actually really enjoy watching swimming on tv i do too i know a lot of people don't like it because most of the action is underwater so if it's not a sprint you're just gonna see people floating across the pool so it's not that exciting but i like it i enjoy it. i like watching it yeah okay and then so you ran so just correct me if I'm wrong. You ran for the first time in high school, like your senior year, or did your coach help you walk on when you got to Houston? No. So every year in high school and swimming, at the end of the year, we would do the triathlon. So we did a little bit of running, right? So we would train, like not, we would run, but no more than three miles at a time. And that was like maybe once a week. So it wasn't all that much running. And yeah, it was at the end of my senior year, when the track coach saw me run and he brought me in and he, I trained with them during that summer, Coach Dirks. And he talked to a couple of coaches that he knew because my high school was, had a really good reputation in state, in the state of Texas and track and field. And my coach, Coach Dirks, he also had a really good reputation. And so he talked to a couple of coaches and I talked to a couple of schools. <clears throat> Only one really offered me a scholarship, but I didn't really want to go there. And one of the coaches that he talked to was the coach from the University of Houston, which I was already planning on going to. So he let me walk on just because he took the word of Coach Dirks and, you know, he kind of trusted in him and he let me walk on the team. So it wasn't until college, like my freshman year in college, when I actually ran a cross country and a track meet that were like high level or at least higher level than junior high. That's pretty impressive. How did you... How was that transition? I mean, that's a big time step from never really running a high level meet to now I'm going to run at a D1 college. It was intimidating, uh, to be honest. I remember the, the, I did a summer track meet with the high school guys that I was training with. And whenever the, uh, the coach saw me running in high school, like I said, I think my time was like a five minute for a mile. And then he wanted me to run the two mile at the meet. And he told me, I want you to go out at 4.45 for the first mile and the second one, close it under five. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You know my fastest time for one mile is five minutes and you want me to go under five for the first mile and then keep running? Um, so it was a little bit int- intimidating just hearing the times. And then once I actually got to, to like the training camp at college with all my teammates, I think my initial goal was just not to get uh, beat by the girls, which was hard because we had a lot of good ones. But I was really just trying to keep up, you know. And I knew I wasn't going to be the fastest person in the team, but I just worked hard. I tried my hardest, 
and eventually I started getting better and better and I actually made it to be one of the top runners in the in the cross country team. What was your what was your mileage like? Because uh, I I know some coaches, they're you know they're very different in their approach. So how yeah. how was this coach with you in terms of someone who I don't even know if you ran a whole lot in high school other than that end of year swimming thing? Yeah, uh, it, I I definitely started a little bit low that first summer just because he didn't want to push me too far that I got hurt being so new to distance running. So I think I might have been up to. 50 or 60 miles a week tops during that summer. And then during cross country in college, I was up to the 70 to 80 miles, maybe one week of like 90 plus. But so it was a big jump. But at that point, I was, I didn't really care. You know, I was just trying to do whatever it took to be part of the team and trying to keep up. So the mileage didn't really, I didn't really think about it as much just because I was doing what I was trying, what the team was doing, you know? That's awesome. So, I mean, really, you just jumped right in and just said, you know, I'm going to be a good teammate even if this is something extremely foreign to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I was lucky to have really good teammates because I was thinking about it um, the other day. And my freshman year, since I wasn't planning on running in college, I was going to be commuting just uh, to study. And I think I did it just one time where I had to wake up at three in the morning to make it a practice and then go to school. And then I was going to go back home because I didn't have a dorm. And then I had to be back the next day by, by like 5 a.m. And that was just too much. I was like, I can't run if I'm going to be doing this. So one of my teammates let me crash the first semester in his dorm. He had an extra mattress and I just left on the floor. And uh, until the second semester when I actually could get my, my uh, own room. You know, so they definitely made it a lot easier on me than what I was expecting it to be. When did you truly feel like a a runner? I'd say probably at the conference meet my freshman year. Um, Throughout the year, I'd always been in the back of the pack of the of the team during meets. And it wasn't until the conference meet where everything just kind of clicked. And I think I didn't like place or anything in the conference meet or anything, but for my team, I finished in the like top three um, in conference. And then whenever we went to regionals, I was like in the top five of our team. So that's when I started noticing like, you know, I'm actually not just able to keep up, but compete and help out the team. And I'm actually getting better in, uh, running faster um, and then just trying to keep up and not get beat by the girls team uh, which happened a lot at first but you know I was picking it up and then training camp my sophomore year my coach kind of let me take the lead with uh, with the group and you know pace them not let them go and he gave me a bit of a leadership uh, leadership uh, role and that kind of made me feel like I was actually not just part of the team, but one of the people who could help out a little bit more than just running, you know? This story is kind of just amazing to me just because I didn't know any of it. And <laughs> do, you, do you remember when we ran the Shamrock Shuffle last year? Yeah. I was telling somebody that story the other day when we ran together, I think for the first like mile and a half, and then you just <laughs> glided away from me with so so much ease. <laughs> yeah, but also I hadn't run the night before or the day before. 
<laughs> Didn't you run like do a long run the day before that? I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you already had tired legs. I wasn't. I was pretty fresh. I mean, that's. I mean, it's it's still funny to me, but like that's just to me. It just shows how how talented of a runner you are to just be able to pick it up in college and then become a top seven runner at a big time school. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, and so. You know, after you felt you felt like you made it by conference, and then you you said you got some leadership later on. What were you know? What was the next three or four years like for you at Houston? Uh, I loved them. It was really the one running and being part of the cross country and track team made my college experience so much better. Not just athletically, but also academically, they helped out so much. You know that it just made everything a lot easier. And cross country, I kept getting better and better. In my senior year, the team placed third in the conference, which was the highest I've placed in like ten years. Um, so I was really proud to be part of that team. And then in track and field, I was running indoors. I was running the the three k and the five k, mostly the three k. And then outdoors, I was running the steeplechase, which that became my event. That was my favorite thing to do in track. And and I think I had my my best season my junior year because uh, senior year I got hurt in cross country, but I didn't stop because it was close to my conference and regionals and I didn't want to miss those meets, which then made me miss all of indoor season. And so all of my senior year for outdoor track, I was mostly running like 800s and 1500s just to work on my speed. And then conference time, I ran the steeplechase again. So um, again, I got a lot better. Steeplechase was another one of those events where I just kind of I wanted to try it just because it looked fun, you know, with the barriers in the water pit. And I think my first two meets that I ran it, I finished last and second to last. And one of my friends who ran it with me also, like, just to try it out, he was like, I'm done. I hate it. But I was like, you know what? It was pretty fun. I want to keep trying. And so that just, I made that, that event my event. And I just kept working on it. And that was my favorite thing to do on track. And again, just like in cross country, I kept getting better and better. So like I kept surprising myself, you know, until my senior year when I got hurt, but it was good. Yeah. The steeple is a difficult event and it's usually something I feel like from what I've heard, college coaches are like, uh, we need somebody to score points at conference. So can you do it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was pretty competitive for our conference in a D1, you know, so even at, at my best, I was fast enough to be competitive and score points for the team, but not fast enough to place. We had some really good people from like Tulsa and, and UTEP who were like nationally, like, you know, able to run at nationals. And I was just kind of trying to finish between third and, and fifth in that range, you know. So I wasn't outstanding, but I was good enough to help out. Have you have you run steeple post-college at all just for fun at like, uh, you know, an all-comers meet or anything? <laughs> no, not since... I remember Lionel tried to talk me into entering one, but I I haven't had the same kind of a speed workout that I used to have back in college. And I just, I I don't know. (laughs) I haven't. And, you know, after college, what was running like for you? I know that, you know, I've talked to some collegiate runners and, or even if you run, you know, at high school at a high level that sometimes running, you know, for fun can be tough. Have you found it? Did you find it tough to run? 
after high school? I mean, after college? Yeah, at first it was um, just because I never ran other than outside of college. So I always had a team around me. I always ran with my teammates and I always had a a meet or a, a championship to focus on. And so then after graduating, when I was just kind of by myself and not running with my teammates or didn't have a a meet to look forward to, it just kind of, I got bored of it. So I started doing other stuff. I started doing martial arts and all this stuff and I just stopped running. And then one time for my first marathon, you're also going to laugh about this, for my first marathon, I was like, you know what? I want to start running again. I want to sign up for the Houston Marathon. So I signed up. I trained for like three weeks. And again, I got bored of it and I stopped running. And then seven months went by and I was like, and the day came and I was like, you know what? I paid for it. I might as well just jump in and see how far I can make it. And I finished it. It wasn't pretty, but I finished it. And it was the worst decision I made in my life to run a marathon without training for it. <laughs> and uh, and I did the same thing for my first half after I moved to Chicago. Uh, a friend of mine moved to the city and he was like, hey, you want to run the uh, the Chicago half with me. I'm like, sure, why not? When is it? It's like, it's in two weeks. I'm like, uh, I haven't run in years, but sure, why not? And that one went a little bit better, but still, I was starting like no other. So it wasn't until I actually started working at Fleet Feet with you when I started picking it up and running a little bit more consistently, just because I was around people who were running all the time. And that was just kind of the culture where we worked at. Yeah. And I, I never asked you, how did you end up in Chicago? And what did you do after college, once college ended? So after college, I I was working uh, for Exxon in Houston and it was a good job, but I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really see myself doing it for like in the long run. So, and I've been in Houston for so long that I just, I needed a change. So I started to look at cities where I can move to. And I was looking like seriously looking at Chicago, LA and Portland. And then my brother got a job in Chicago. So that just kind of made my decision a lot easier because I could move in with them, save some money. And we also have more family here because my mom's from Chicago. And so she still has aunts and uncles here and cousins. So we had family here. So I packed up my bags. I quit my job, packed my bags and moved to Chicago with my brother. And here I am. Been here for a little over five years now. Awesome. How long did it take you to get used to to the cold coming from what I think is <laughs> the, the hottest city in the United States? Yeah, it's definitely extremely humid over there. We're like with the humidity, it feels like 100 degrees plus in the summer. And I think the first year was the toughest, at least the first winter, because anything below 35 was absolutely freezing for me. And I didn't have a good winter jacket, you know, so I was just kind of miserable not going out as much. But after that, you kind of get used to it. And with the cold, you can just layer up and you're fine. It just takes longer to get out the door, you know. We're in Houston. It doesn't matter how, like, how little clothing you're wearing. When it's hot, it's hot. So I like it a lot more over here as far as the weather. And also the city is a lot more accessible than Houston is. So I really enjoy it. I really like it over here. And the other thing you mentioned is like post-college, you got in the martial arts a little bit. Uh, Tell me a a little bit more about that. Yeah. So uh, my dad actually grew up doing karate and he used to teach it and everything. So when I was just kind of bored, not really wanting to run and looking for something else to do, my dad recommended doing martial arts. So I joined a Krav Maga uh, self-defense gym and I absolutely loved it. And I had a great instructor and I, after I was with him for years and, you know, I learned self-defense 
and Filipino screamer, so like stick and knife fighting, and and I really enjoyed it. But a lot of it was going through the motions because it's you know it's self defense. It's like fighting the save yourself basically. And after a while, I was like, well, I actually want to know what it feels like to be in a fight. And I saw a friend of mine fight in a Muay Thai tournament. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I joined a Muay Thai gym in Houston. And I started training there on the weekends. And I, I had three Muay Thai fights in Houston. And then whenever I moved to Chicago, um, I joined a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym because my brother offered a pay for it because he was already one, working, and also part of the gym, and I wasn't working when I got here. So I joined Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I loved it. Um, and so I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here, and then Muay Thai, like, twice a week at the same gym. And eventually, like, after two years, my friend who was teaching Muay Thai ended up moving to Boston. And so I had experience in Muay Thai before moving there. They asked me to take over the, the Muay Thai classes, so I started teaching uh, Muay Thai at the gym and I did it for two years before the pandemic hit and I stopped but yeah so background in martial arts is Krav Maga, Filipino Screamer, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And I gotta imagine all of those are pretty different but it seems like yeah. I think across all of your interests one of the you know main things is discipline. How would you compare you know the martial arts discipline to you know the the discipline it takes to running in college it's not that different really um there's obviously in college you have a little bit more structure and i don't want to say you're forced to it but you kind of have to do the workouts you know um because you're part of the team you're representing the school wherein in martial arts you're still part of the team and representing a a gym in a school but you're paying for it, you know, so you really only compete when you want to, where in college you have to compete to like help the team, you know? So the training, it's still, if you take it seriously, um, I was going to the gym, the workout like five or six times a week, taking one day off in the week. Uh, so it was very similar to running where I was doing my workouts throughout the week alone on Saturday and then rest on Sunday. Same thing over here. I was, I think working out Sunday through Friday and taking Saturday off. Um, and I think in, in jiu-jitsu, I only did two tournaments. And Muay Thai, like I said, I only did three fights. And that's another thing. I wasn't going to be competing as much, especially in Muay Thai, because I don't want to get hit. I don't want, you know, like long-term damage that running doesn't really give you as far as the head. You know, there's joints and knees and stuff like that, but it takes a lot longer. So as far as training, they're pretty similar and same thing with the dedication, but competing, it's a lot different. Running, you can do it a little bit more often and safely. And before I ask you about, you know, your fight experience, how have the two sports um, affected your, your life? How have you translated the lessons you've learned from running and martial arts to, you know, your day-to-day life? You know, it's one of those things where you just got to, they teach you to push through, you know, when like, I hate to sound cliche, but like when it, it gets tough, it just kind of push through the pain and, and keep working at your goals. You know, it's like with a marathon, once you hit that mile 21, 22, and you really start feeling it, you got to push through and finish those last few miles. Same thing with running. You can't just get 
hit one time and you're like, okay, I'm done. That hurt. You know, you just gotta suck it up and, and try to and fight back and just be the, the person standing with your hand raised at the end. Uh, so that's definitely something that I do every day in life, or I don't want to say every day, but that's something I carried or into my regular life that just being able to, to push through and knowing that even when it's hard, you know, it's not the end until, until the end of the race or until the, the bell rings. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good, you know, kind of life lesson to take is, you know, you know, essentially just try your hardest and, you know, yeah. you know, hard things are going to pop up, but you know, see yeah. how you can handle them and just kind of roll with the punches from time to time. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I want I didn't know you fought at all. So tell me about your, your brief fight experience. Yeah. So I can tell my, my parents hated it. They didn't want me doing it. So after one time they were like, please no more. I was like, okay. And then I signed up for another one and then another one. And they were like, and they kept going and supporting me to watch me fight in Muay Thai. But once I moved to Chicago, I was like, okay, uh, like I'm done. I'm not going to keep fighting Muay Thai anymore, you know? Um, Cause it was just, I did get hurt. Like my knee got hurt at one point from getting kicked and they would just see me getting punched in the head and, you know, it wasn't pleasant for them. And I knew they were suffering through me uh, doing that. And I didn't really, really want to keep putting them through that. So I think once I moved to Chicago, I kind of took a backseat from Muay Thai and just used it to work out and, and teach. And then with jujitsu, it's not as high impact. There's definitely still the risk of getting hurt, but it's a little bit more control because you can, you're supposed to tap out, you know? Um, so if it, if I was in real, a lot of pain, I could just tap out. Um, so I only did two tournaments in jujitsu because once I started working at Fleet Feet, my schedule kind of changed a lot, working evenings, so I couldn't train as much. So I didn't want to just jump on any tournaments and be at higher risk of getting hurt. You mentioned your parents, and I, I know you're, you're close with both of them. When did, and you said you, you were separated from, from them for a while when you first moved to the States, correct? Yeah, for about a year. A year? Yeah, okay. I was going to ask when they moved here. And so what was that year like for you? And, when they, and then what was it like when they eventually moved to the States? And how is your relationship with them now? It's, it's really close. We're, we're a really close family. You know, I called them um, at least three times a week, if not every day. I just went to see them in, during Thanksgiving. Uh, that trip almost got canceled because of COVID. But we ended up going just because uh, some health issues. You know, I wanted to go help out my parents while my dad was recovering. And he's doing fine and, you know, recovering fine. But we're definitely a really close family. And my brother's here in Chicago, so I still see him pretty frequently. Not as much during COVID, but, you know, we talk and we can help each other out. And definitely my parents, we try to see each other at least once a year. And and this might be too personal of a question, but I've talked to you know, another friend who also has immigrant parents and they're an immigrant themselves. What was it like being an immigrant over the last four years? Uh, it's been, a, it's been easier because I've been in Chicago, but I've still had to deal with some racist comments and just ignorant comments from people. Um, you know, so I am lucky that me personally, I've been in a very liberal city where 
like the majority of people are accepting. But I can tell you my parents have not had the same experience. My mom is a teacher assistant at a high school. And my parents' cars have like the uh, Mexican flag um, sticker on the car. And my mom's car got vandalized like three or four times um, with people spray painting over the, the Mexican flag that was on the car. Um, and that happened. Like they cleaned it up. They got it fixed. And it happened again and again, like three or four times. Um, so I know, you know, things are, there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of people who um, are just uh, hateful and not really accepting. But at the same time, for every one of them, there's 10 more that are popping out that are accepting that they help out, you know. But even here in Chicago, I had a couple people make some comments that were not <laughs> acceptable, you know. When I was working at, at Fleet Feet, I was helping a a uh, lady and you know we were talking and she was being pleasant and I asked her where she was from and she said San Diego and then she asked me where I was from and I told her I was originally from Mexico and she goes oh Mexicans yeah we have a lot of those in in California I was like oh a lot of those huh okay and uh and then she asked me like she straight up asked me if I was illegal and if I could show her my papers to prove it that I was legal I was like, uh, okay, bye. You know, like I'm not, I'm at work, so I, I'm not really going to say anything, but it's just comments like that. And I don't think she was being uh, hateful. I think she was just being ignorant and just unaware of what she was saying. But that's just like one of the things that I still deal with every now and then, you know. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm sorry you had to deal with anything like that, but you know, it is, it is the reality and it sounds like, you know, growing up, it's sadly something you got used to and you've learned to brush off. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I have been trying, especially lately, you know, in the past four years, I have been trying just to speak up a little bit more about what happens, just uh, let people know that it is still happening um, cause you know, a lot of people think just because it's not happening to them, it's not really an issue. And I think me before just brushing it off and, you know, not telling people about it didn't really help the situation. So I think just talking about it and let people know, yes, these things are still happening. There are still people who are, you know, spray painting over other countries' flags just because it's not the American flag. That's still something that's happening like this year, you know? So it's, I think it's important to talk about it and I've been trying to be better about it, just sharing my experiences. Um, but yeah. And on a semi-related note, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on some of the colleges, you know, across the United States cutting track and field, you know, track and field is on the tracks and field side is a mostly diverse sport. And, you know, a lot of where, you know, people of color and minorities get half scholarships when they're doing track. Cause on the distance side, it's, it's still a pretty a white sport. Yeah. Uh, but what is your, you know, how, what is your opinion on, you know, schools cutting track and field where it is probably one of the most diverse sports at colleges? Yeah. I, I don't like it. You know, just like you said, it is one of the more 
diverse teams uh, or sports that colleges have. Um, and even like long distance in my school, it was mostly Hispanic and black. We only had a couple white people running in, um, uh, in the team. And so even, well, we were in Texas, but you know, even that team was pretty diverse. I think I, I know they're cutting because it's not like a big revenue sport like football and basketball, but it's definitely one of the ones that is the most available to everybody, you know? And I know you've talked about, you've talked about this with other people on the podcast about how running it, it, it can be just putting a pair of shoes on and running, you know, but it can also be a lot more than that where people don't have access to it. But I definitely think it's one of the sports where, it's easier to have access to running than to other sports at high levels. And can you explain like the, the long-term impact you think running has had on your life? Uh, definitely for the better, you know, um, especially once I, I started running marathons and taking them seriously, they gave me a goal. You know, I, I started running marathons with the goal of qualifying for Boston and I just, it made, gave me a goal to just keep working on something that I'm good at, you know, because a lot of times I was just good enough to be a part of a team or to have fun with something and not just feel clumsy. But with running, it gave me like an opportunity to actually be competitive and to go back to being at a higher level athletically. And so and athletics have always been a big part of my life. So running has just given me that that drive again of uh, being competitive, staying fit, staying healthy, meeting people, you know, being part of a, of a group of people um, running. So it's definitely been one of the bigger, most important aspects of my life, to be honest. How do you think we can make it more accessible? Because, you know, it's running is more, not, especially now, more than just a pair of shoes. It's the gear. It's now it's AAU clubs and it's, other things yeah. that cost money, but how yeah. can we make it more acceptable to, you know, disadvantaged communities? Bringing the events to them, you know, not having them to make them travel to get to those events. Um, I remember in college, we did a couple um, after school programs where we went to, to an elementary school uh, to run with the kids and just the kids knowing that a division one athlete was going to go train with them the teachers would tell us the difference they saw in the kids, uh, how many stayed in after school just to work out with us, the difference of like what their workouts were. And so just making it more accessible as far as like us or like people going to them instead of having, having them go somewhere to meet and, and run, you know? Because yeah, it is just putting on a pair of shoes, but it's not just a pair of shoes, you know? It, like if you want to be serious about it and you don't want to get hurt, you need a good pair of shoes. So going to having a local store in more areas that holds events that I think it's a, a pretty important step. And that's something that I didn't really quite realize until, you know, Fleet Feet and all the running events that we held and how many people went to those. So I think having more places around the cities where people don't have to travel as far, I think that's important. And have you ever thought of being a coach? I think it's, it's something you could be good at. And I think you could, you know, you'd bring a lot to the table with all of your experience. I, so the first time that we met the very first day, you asked me that. And back then I was like, I don't know, you know, I, 
I don't really want to. I don't really, I never thought about it. But now after teaching martial arts and, and being in the running community a little bit more, um, yeah, I think I would like it. I wouldn't put it off the table. I actually, before I, I started working my new job, I had talked to, to Lionel about coaching at Latin. And then like a spot opened up and he told me that I was already working at my new job, so I couldn't do it. So it is something that I think I would enjoy in the future if the opportunity came up again. Yeah, I, I hope you do get the chance because I think people will definitely benefit from your knowledge. <laughs> the little one that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're I think you're up there. Don't you shouldn't put yourself down too much. <laughs> I think I think I have more experience and knowledge to share, but I, mean, I can, it's something that I can work on. Yeah, it's definitely helpful. Yeah. All right. All right. We've talked a lot about running. Um, I know you have lots of other interests. So, what are some things that you do outside of running for fun? Uh, yeah. So, martial arts is probably the main one. I haven't been doing it during the pandemic as much just because I'm trying to avoid contact with uh, groups of people. So staying in, I've been, you know, I'm a gamer, so I've been playing video games. I I really like writing. I like writing screenplays, like TV shows and movies. So I like doing that on my own time. And with that, I like watching TV and movies and just kind of appreciating it more than just a show. You know, I kind of, I like it more in a, in a deeper level because I start analyzing the script and the writing. And I, I sometimes read the scripts along as I watch the movie and see like different styles that writers use. Do you have a, a kind of favorite genre to write? I know we've talked in the past about the, the boys, which is on Amazon prime. And I love that show, but do you have a specific genre? Uh, Comedy. (laughs) I like yeah, I like the funny stuff. I uh, I don't know how good I am at like writing the dramatic stuff. I I enjoy watching it, but I don't know how good I am at writing it. But I definitely like the the comedy, the funny uh, movies and shows. I do like superhero shows and movies. The Boys, Watchmen, you know, all the Marvel, DC. I'm all for it. Uh, so I think. <laughs> Those would be comedy and superheroes, if that's a genre. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I was not into, like, I'm not really into that superhero genre, but, you know, mm-hmm. I do like the Marvel movies and the boys. And I was really yeah. surprised at how much I enjoyed both of those. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd for that. So I love it. I can't get enough. Um, and do you have a, a favorite comedy? Uh, yeah, I... I really like The Office. I really like Schitt's Creek. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but I love that show. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Schitt's, Schitt's Creek is amazing. I'm a, definitely a big fan of that show. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I can't believe how, like, I benched it all. I, I've seen it like five times, the entire thing. Um, and I think the last season when it came out on Netflix, I watched it all in one day. I've been slow playing the last season. I don't, I don't want it to end. <laughs> Uh, th- that's what I should have done, but I just, I couldn't wait. <laughs> oh, also you forgot to mention Parks and Rec. We definitely went to that event last year at, um, oh. I can't remember that, that bar we went to. Yeah. Uh, replay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I really like Parks and Rec too. And Brooklyn 99. Really anything Mike Schur or Mike Daniels, um, anything they make, I love. I think they're so funny. Any plans to, um, like produce something for fun, even if it's like a YouTube thing? I thought about it, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, 
I wrote a couple just shorts and things that I could film at home, but I just never actually filmed it. I, I have my script saved in my computer, but that's it. I haven't actually come around to doing it. But eventually, yeah, I would like to actually write something that gets produced and made. You know, that's the dream. That'd be awesome. I, I'm rooting for that goal because I'd, I'd love to see it. You know, we, we have, a, I think we have a, a similar type of humor. So I think I would enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. I'll, right. I'll send you some stuff if you want. So you can okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be excited to take a look at that. All right, let's get back to running for a brief second. Mm-hmm. What is running looking like for you at the moment? I know with the pandemic, it's, it's hard to find motivation for a lot of people. So what you know, yeah. Like for you. So right now it's kind of unexistent, <laughs> you know, uh, last year I ran Houston, um, in the beginning of the year and then I ran Chicago and then I was training for big Sur um, that winter and then it got canceled. So I was training for like my third marathon in the span of like a year or so. And so I think once it got canceled due to the pandemic, I was just tired and I took a break and then the pandemic happened and then. I was stuck at home. Didn't really have the the energy to go out. The lakefront path was closed. And then once it reopened and I went out running, it was super crowded. So I just, I stopped running again because I thought there's just way too many people out there. So I started running again a little bit last week. And hopefully now with the winter and the cold, less people are in the lakefront path. So I can start running a little bit more. Um, now it's just a matter of seeing how my winter gear fits because I've definitely gained a couple pounds from that. Do you, uh, you think it's kind of funny that you, someone from Houston and Mexico said, let's see how, yeah. <laughs> let's see how it feels in the winter time. Yeah. Who would have thought even my first year here, I hated being outside and now it's what I look forward to, especially for running. Cause it's really not that hard of running in the cold, at least not for me, you know, as long as you have enough gear, you're fine. You know? So Hopefully it gets colder and snowing so there's less people in the path and I can get some more miles in. And once uh, races are start happening again and it's safe to do them, then I'll start training for marathons again. I would love to do Big Sur, which we were planning on doing. I would love to do LA, you know, something international like Paris. Um, and eventually I would love to do Boston. That's still my, my goal. Yeah, we gotta we gotta do Boston together. That would be that would be a fun time. Yeah, for sure. All right. I last question. Thanks for letting me take about an hour of your time. Uh this is going back to TV. You know, we've mm-hmm. had a lot of downtime. Do you have any comedies you'd recommend uh across any of the platforms? So right now I've been it's not a comedy, but I've been bench watching Shameless um on Netflix. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's such a wild show. And it, it takes place in Chicago. So seeing a lot of the places where they film, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. You know, it's, it's kind of familiar, but it's just such a wild and entertaining show. I highly recommend it. Um, as far as new shows right now, I've been in the, on my Christmas movies binge. So, um, yeah, I've been going through the classics, you know. But other than The Boys, which came out, not too long ago during the summer and Watchmen. I haven't really seen anything too new. Do you recommend anything that I should watch? I, I finished the undoing last week. 
that was pretty good. Um, I'm now watching the the flight attendant uh, with <laughs> Kaylee Kaylee Kuoko from yeah, uh, that's Super- on HBO, right? Yeah, HBO Max. That's that's yeah. a really good. That's been interesting. It's it's kind of like a dark comedy and a murder yeah. mystery combined, but I really enjoy it. All right, I'll check it out. Oh, one thing that I I've been watching it's uh it's more reality TV. It's called The Pack on Amazon. And it's kind of like the amazing race where it's a race around the world, but with dogs, like people and their dogs as their partners. It's really good. And if you have a dog, it's like so heartwarming to see those people doing it, doing the stuff they do with their dogs. So I really recommend that. Awesome. I'll take a look into that. And Andres, thanks again for giving me about an hour of your day. And I will, I will talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me, Andres. Don't forget about me when you make it big as a comedy writer somewhere. Thank you all for listening and sharing. I'll talk to you soon.